Uh, well, we played pretty bad. Um, you know, I don't think they did a whole lot of things to stop us. We played pretty bad uh, at every position, and usually that's what happens when you play bad. Uh, you don't score a lot of points. This is Down by the Bank, an unofficial Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, episode four. This is Corey. Hey, you guys. This is Derek. Just as a reminder, we are available on Facebook, on Twitter, Down by the Bank, one word, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Please, 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 if you haven't already, just leave us a little rate and review on iTunes, uh, five stars preferably, um, because it just makes us more visible to everybody else. Um, and little disclaimer, Derek is out on business um, in a hotel with evidently really bad Wi-Fi, so we are interviewing, or we have him on the show via phone today. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then one side note, if you didn't see it on Facebook or Twitter, um, we do have our own Google voicemail box now um, with a phone number and everything. It's going to be 904 Four Jags seventy one, and that's nine zero four four five two four seven seven one. Yeah, guys. So please leave your takes, comments. Um, we're going to try and do, or we're going to do a question of the week. Uh, start off with the first question of the week. Thought this was a good one. Discussing this with a, a buddy the other day. Where do the Jaguars wide receiving corp rank versus the rest of the league? And why do you think so? Um, I'd really like to hear uh, feedback to me personally. I chose second, not because I'm a hometown guy, but I really feel they have a very strong wide receiving core. So I think the only team when healthy or not suspended that has a better receiving core than we do is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, You could object to that, like it, not like it, but that's why I really would like you to call in and and leave your opinion because I think that's good stuff. I love the debate. Yeah, definitely. And bearing in mind, we will use your audio on the show. So, and I even had, there's like a voicemail message on there that says, you know, leave your name, uh, where you're from and your message. So obviously don't go an entire hour because we won't be able to use all that, but maybe like 30 seconds to a minute, uh, whatever it is. And then we'll kind of go back and forth based on the messages that we receive. So it's either that question or, What's your opinion on Tim Tebow's upcoming baseball career? Which one do you think we should go with? Well, I'm going with my that question, the my what I just <laughs> said. And I'm not going with Tim Tebow's baseball career. Uh, next next topic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll get into uh, obviously the game uh, last night. We're recording on Monday now, and that is the Jaguars and the Bengals. Uh, again, Derek's out uh, out of town for work, uh, being responsible. I did go to the game and had a couple notes I just wanted to touch on. One, and I, hopefully you felt like you've had this experience as well, but I think all the businesses in town need to hire the people that the Jaguars have at the front gates and throughout the stadium. Those are about the nicest people and friendliest people I've ever met in my entire life. It's called the con effect. 
Yeah, probably so. Probably so. <laughs> but another note, the tables when you walk in the stadium, first of all, there were no food trucks, so we didn't need any dinner anticipating there would be food trucks. And I guess maybe I wasn't thinking about it correctly because it's preseason. But even when you walk in the gate, all the little tables that are around – I mean, obviously in preseason form because the dailies tables had like 10 koozies out. And then not only that, Chick-fil-A, you walk up, you see the Chick-fil-A tent from a distance and you're thinking chicken sandwich samples, maybe some nuggets, maybe some sweet tea or something. And they're just handing out coupons. I will take the coupons, obviously. But even like one fourth of a chicken sandwich cut up, you know, in sample form would have been much better. And you know how you can do that thing, like if you're at Publix and they have the samples and you kind of like go back and forth one, once or twice and hope they don't notice it's you again. Um, so kind of bummed out by that. Need to up the preseason game. And I'm anticipating a much bigger supply and, and menu of free things at the first regular season game. Little black squares on the screens on the big video boards are depressing. Please, let's fix that before the regular season started. I know you weren't there, but they had like these little pixels out of each screen on both sides that kept going in and out, and that drove me insane. And then, I, I don't know if they played this on NBC or not, but they had like this dramatic Jaguars Bengals intro video with like Disney music. Did you see that on TV? No, I, I, I didn't see that. Uh, where we were at BJ's, they uh, they uh, they didn't have the sound, so I couldn't hear anything. Plus, they, they turned the game right on as kickoff was coming up. So I didn't see that. But, uh, yeah, that's I didn't see the, the Disney music. That's kind of weird, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not like legitimately Disney music, but it was like Bengals and Jaguars, like the actual animals on the screen, like running and just kind of this like dramatic Disney music and and then scenes of like the city with Jaguars players kind of cutting in and out. And it's cool, but it's for like the first thing they play at the beginning of the game, you just expect something a little bit more like up tempo and like pump you up. And I was kind of disappointed. Like, I don't know. It just didn't have the same feel. I mean, I know the, the thing where they walk out now and they walk through that, that area at the bottom with where you can see them coming out. Um, it's cool, but it's just not, I think they call it the prow. It's cool, but it's just not as dramatic. It's just like really low key. So, but um, anyway, enough on the stadium experience. Let's get to the actual game. I was gonna make fun of you about the chicken sandwiches, but I just let you keep keep talking. I was gonna <laughs> get you, but I was like, I'll just let him keep talking. <laughs> by by the way, Chick Fil A got rid of the spicy chicken biscuit on their breakfast menu. So sad, Corey. So yeah, sad. it is sad. But go ahead. <laughs> Um, but yes, as far as a as recap of uh, yesterday's preseason game um, against the Bengals, we got a really good look uh, at the starters' whole half of play, and it was kind of scary. Um, you know, Mike Duraco, ESPN, you know, just quote him: "Overmatched, ill prepared, and sloppy." Um, all those words can describe that performance uh the players know it they they know that it was bad and hopefully they're you know looking at the tape getting back at practice focusing on the fundamentals it was really bad the uh commentators mentioned something about 
rebuilding for next year. We'll get into that later. Oh, gosh, no, we're not trying to rebuild for next year. <laughs> Hopefully they did not get that idea from the team. Um, but, yeah, just to kind of really uh, really dive into it, we'll, we'll start with uh, the quarterback position in the offense. I think the offense, the entire offense, lost their composure after that fumble by Yeldon. Yeah. It, it just was – it was bad. A screenplay. Bodo should have thrown it to the ground. It wasn't there. Cincinnati was ready for it. We got a little bit out of it, and then boom, he fumbles. Right. And then that just disrupted the entire rhythm of the offense. Yeah, it certainly – you could feel the energy go out in the stadium for sure. Yeah, it just – when you have – you know, you, you, you play two preseason games, you've been able to march right down the field at will and get a touchdown, and – all of a sudden, it doesn't go your way. So these are things that they have to go through and learn how to adjust because those are things that are going to happen in the season. We're not going to roll up and down the field on everybody. And if we play like we did yesterday, we're not going to do that at all. So it's going to be bad. Well, and, um, and there's something to be said about, and we talked about this before the podcast, about how people describe the third preseason game as that you're going to game plan for similar to a regular season game. It replicates a regular season game more so than any other preseason game. So with that being said, for the the offense to come out and look as flat as they did in that first half, what do you take away from that? You know, Bortles was right. He, He mentioned that they played bad at every position. Just to kind of give you a breakdown, at quarterback, if you notice, Bortles started going with the long windup, his mechanics started to break down. Hmm. He was holding the ball an extra second. Um, one of the stats that sticks out to me, 3.3 yards per completion. Wow. Tells me two things. One, he had to get rid of the ball because we couldn't hold the line. And two, he, was, he, he lost his composure. He wasn't just, you know, letting the offense flow. Um, even when we were able to run the ball, which yelled, and I think he had a, 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 a he had some a couple of runs that looked really good. He had one run where he cut back on the backside and looked very good. Right. Uh, we we didn't capitalize off of certain plays, whether run or pass, and we didn't do much passing. Um, those are things that when it's just not going your way, you have to learn how to gather yourself and 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 get back at it as a unit. We can't have the, the mechanics breaking down. We can't have the receiver stopping routes. I don't think I saw that, but just the main things that do usually happen when a, a team loses its composure after a big turnover. Um, the offensive line, Beecham, first play, first game of the of camp. He he looked he looked good. You know he looked okay. Yeah, and he was holding up and he was pushing back. He was he was in the trenches fighting. Jokel, uh. <laughs> Gino Atkins really got after it. Oh man. Yeah. Uh he, he struggled a bit now. First start at left guard. So I'm pretty sure it's his first start at left guard, so let's not but and, and and the guy he was going up against is no slouch. Okay, he's a pro bowler, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah. but man, gotta show a little bit more fight. Well, and there was the clip, uh I think it was um taken from the pro football focus people, but it's a it's like a GIF or a GIF, however you pronounce it. I think it's up for interpretation on that still in the internet world. But 
Jokel gets, I guess it was Geno Atkins, but he gets destroyed and just it's like the first drive of the game and he just gets straight up run over. I don't know if that was Geno Atkins. It was somebody, they had a couple of guys, Carlos Dunlap and, and they had a couple of guys that were just kind of knifing through our offensive line like we, yeah. we weren't even there and just really getting after the football. I mean, it was really, really, it was really, really bad. And unfortunately, things are going to happen, but they have to learn to adjust. And that goes to my, my next point. From a defensive perspective, Cincinnati mm-hmm. was ready for us. Like we were, we were rushed. Like they were rushing very hard. The four, the four down linemen, um, Jackson, Fowler, Yannick. I mean, they were really trying to get after the quarterback, but yeah. they were ready for it. They had the Dalton got the ball out right. of his hands pretty quickly. They knew that we were going to be coming, and you know, getting after it, and just couldn't do anything. Couldn't do anything about it. Well, and if you if you look on the stat sheet too, he, it looked when, like he was. Uh, I think it was a couple of the running backs had pretty good big gains on those short passes. So you're saying like they had the pressure and then Dalton would just dump it out and pick up huge, huge yards on those plays. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's the old, you know, use their own speed and, and uh, their aggressiveness against them. They're coming up the field and then boom, you just dink and dunk. Uh, there were some missed tackles. We'll, we'll talk about a couple in a minute. I, I hate to, to say this, but you know there were some Telvin had, Telvin Smith had that were just out of position plays. Um, but there was definitely a sense of the coaching was a lot better uh, yesterday. That I think that in time of possession really played a big key in why Cincinnati really jumped on them. So. What what is it then? Uh-huh. I mean, if that if that's and are you saying? Then take me back. Like, did Cincinnati pretty much run that same style of offense the entire first half? I mean, were there no adjustments made to kind of compensate for what they were doing? I think the whole team got snake bitten yeah. after that fumble. Literally, even the coaches, because they couldn't do anything until the midway through the second quarter. You got to think that fumble happened mm-hmm. two minutes into the game. So 13 minutes plus another seven and a half. So we'll say for 20 minutes of game time, Cincinnati did what they wanted to do till the Jags finally right. got out of their funk. Um, and I'm not sure why, you know, the coaches didn't make any adjustments or pick up on the fact that um, they, they were, they were Cincinnati was able to really get after it, but when AJ Green went out the game, I think he came up uh, you know, pulling a hamstring or a calf, and, and I figured, okay, it's going to get a little easier because now we don't have to worry about him. And they got rookie receivers. It literally right. got harder. <laughs> so it, that, that took me by surprise a little bit that our, our composure really. Yeah. Fell well, up. and back to the and you had mentioned it a little bit ago, and I'll even try to maybe paste the clip of uh, Blake Bortles' interview. I think it was at halftime, which is certainly an epic interview for at least his career so far where he just kind of ripped to me, the entire team and the fact that we just played badly about as badly as you can play. And you could see, you could see he was upset and I, you kind of hope, I guess that the players after this game and kind of understanding that it's first team versus first team, the most, 
the most realistic game when it comes to what we're going to see in the regular season that hopefully they're going to take it very seriously and very personally and group together. I mean, if the coaches are if the coaches can't make the adjustments and they can't handle it, at least hopefully the players can hold a team meeting or something and figure out what's going on. Yeah, it even though it's preseason, like I said these games don't count and a lot of players in the league and, and coaches really don't like the preseason all that much, but it, it gives us a chance and a chance to look at things. It's even more disappointing knowing the talent that we have that we did not perform. If we didn't have that talent like we had three, four years ago where we had nothing, you know, oh, well, you know, that's what we get when right. we don't have anybody. But now that we have a, a good group of, of football players on the team, a really good group of players, and still underperformed, that's what makes it sting just a little bit more. Um, like I said, uh, I said it earlier, Bortles was right. They just all played bad. And the thing is, it wasn't because – it was just the scheme and and, yeah. and the turnover. Those two things. If those aren't there, then you definitely have a equal, a little bit more equal match. It was only fourteen three. Had that been a regular season game, I think Cincinnati would have really jumped on them twenty one three probably. Especially if if AJ Green's healthy and in the game, but. Yeah, they, they got to learn how to, you know, it's good to, that they dealt with that. So maybe you know, they'll address that. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they're going to look at that and realize that, hey, we can't break down when those things happen. We yeah. just can't fold like that. Well, and again, and I don't want to be the typical fan that's going to completely overreact based on one game, but just the collective fan base and groaning that you heard in the stadium uh, last night, I mean, I, I think everybody just really wants to be optimistic. I don't even think they want to see the team go out there and just blow out the Bengals or just look, you know, like the best team in the NFL. We just want to look competitive and we want to look like we uh, that we're trying to to win and we're trying to compete. And I mean, nothing that we saw in that game. And there was a lot of optimism before the game. I mean, a ton of optimism. You could feel it. Everybody was talking about how awesome we were going to be. Everybody around me when they did the player introductions was just raving about the, the, the talent that we have. And to put that sort of performance out there on national television of all things. I mean, it's one thing if this is on the little local thing that Sam Cavaris and Mark Brunel is commenting over that like only people in Jacksonville and the other city that we're playing see. But on national TV, it always feels like this happens where we have this energy and this buzz going and then it just gets completely destroyed and I think that's what's making this so much worse than than it really should be, to be honest with you. There's, there's a phrase that comes to mind, trying too hard. Uh, I'm going to pick on uh, Kelvin Smith here that just because it's so uncharacteristic. I'm not sure what's going, what's going on. Um, but there were two plays that stick out in mind with him. The one play, the, the spin move, you all saw it. People said that, oh, somebody pressed the B button or the circle button on the PlayStation <laughs> Xbox controller and Kelvin went one way and the running back went the other yeah. way. That's funny. The gap was formed. Kelvin filled the gap, and he just over-anticipated. And he, he, he made the first move, and the running back reacted because he was trying to make a play. He's trying so hard to make the play. The second play that comes to mind is Cincinnati ran a stretch play with stretch run to the left, which means they basically take the take the guard, pull him, 
take the line, move it to the left, and they're looking for a crease mm-hmm. to crack through. We had it played. He would have got two or three yards and went out of bounds. But instead, he tried to knife through the line. He went past the guard. The guard pulled and turned him. The running back cut back right where Telvin Spence would have been and got 12 yards. And that's not because he's, he's bad. Telvin Smith's a really good linebacker. He's just trying too hard. He's trying to make every play. He's trying to fly all over the field. They got to maintain their assignments. Um, you know, I don't know what the play call was. You know, I, I, I can only watch right. what you guys see, but you got to maintain your assignments. I, I, I bet he was supposed to stay right there and make sure that that guy does not cut through and not like cut back uh, through through one of those creases and just make the tackle if he does get through. But right, you can't you can't win the game on every play. You, you have to you know use your team and use everybody to try to. Uh, to stop the other uh, well and you're going to see this stuff on the field a lot better than I would but this isn't I mean this isn't new right so like Mike Duraco in the last episode um, had mentioned that that was a problem through the first two games and I guess even in camp that he's putting himself out of position so if we're in the third preseason game the game that most emulates the regular season and we're still having this problem what's the solution that's the, 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 the question, the million dollar question. They gotta, coaches gotta get, get after them and, and let them know, hey, don't, don't put yourself out of position. There's not gonna be many teams that are gonna have linebackers as fast as Tobin Smith. The teams that we play are gonna know that. Aaron Rodgers is gonna know that. And they're gonna try to outsmart him and use his own speed and athletic ability, which is top notch in the National Football League. They're going to use that to their advantage to get him out of the way so they can yeah. do what they want to do. And they've got to let, let him realize that and see that, hey, don't try to make every play. Read and react. And hopefully and, and that goes for the rest of the team. Fowler is kind of going through some of the same things. He's just he's pressing too hard or is he's, he's not really getting after it. I, I will say in, in Fowler's defense, it's a little bit last night, he was going up against Andrew Whitworth. And if you guys don't know who he is, he had, he has an 819 snap streak. So 819 plays where he hasn't given wow. up a sack. Uh, that's yeah. unheard of. So, um, I don't think that's the record, but no one's done that in a very long time. So, Kudos to and, and, and you know to that to that guy Andrew Whitworth he's a great tackle, but we we still have to you know press on and, and still find out a way to get to the quarterback. So what do you think about Inyakwe getting first team reps over Fowler? He earned it. He, he flat earned it. There's nothing else to say. He's getting after the quarterback. He's using his speed, his power. He's staying within his lanes. He's not trying to make every play on every down. And when it is third down, he, he's really getting after it. He's really press, not pressing, but keeping technique, keeping fundamentals, and getting after the football. And that's, that's basically what it is. He, he earned it. Yeah, and I hope I pronounced his last name correctly. I don't have the little cheat sheet in front of me this time, unfortunately. But the only reason I bring it up is I was looking at um, – Hayes Carlin from Times Union had in his blog that Fowler 
yet to record a tackle or quarterback pressure in 24 snaps. So I almost wonder if it's a certain extent that we are to a certain extent that we're kind of overhyping him and expecting a little too much out of a guy who just missed an entire season with an ACL injury and is essentially his rookie year. Yeah, that could be it. That that could be it. He was really he started off camp really hot. The, the coaches were high praise on him. I of the media was high praise, and it just hasn't panned out right now. But that doesn't mean I mean we're we're two three weeks into his first real preseason. Let's you know let's give him some time. He's going to come around. He's going to he's going to do well. He's going to be just fine. He's just pressing a little bit. The coaches had to calm him down apparently about a week or so ago. So just give him give him some time. I think he'll be okay. And 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 humble, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of humble pie. There's nothing wrong with it. People have that all the time. You always wonder if they for that first game, that first regular season game, if they could devise some kind of uh, play or something to kind of give him something to make a statement for himself to kind of get out of the funk. Because at this point, you have to think of a certain part of it with the attitude that he has has to be psychological. Come first game of the season, he could have no sacks and no tackles and 40 snaps during the preseason. And in 25 snaps on the first game of the year, he have a tackle for loss, a half a sack. That's all that counts. No yeah. one's going to remember what he's done in the preseason. So just you know, go ahead and get all these emotions, the adversity, losing your composure that the team has getting down on yourself because you're not performing, get all that out the way because there'll be a new energy come um, a couple of Sundays from now when Green Bay comes to town and we really have to get after because we're going to need him. We're, we're going to need him. Green Bay is, as you guys know, he, the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, he's top three in the league. That should say enough in itself. So last thing I would say is what do you make of all the penalties at this point? The penalties, they really, they didn't have any big personal fouls. I don't think there were no very big personal fouls. I think there were a couple of pass interferences in the second half by the uh, second and third teams, which, by the way, played great. That was great. Although Cincinnati dialed it back some, we still, you know, showed some fight. So, hey, we'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. But 11 penalties is still too much. 11 penalties is still too much to, and for 65 yards, eh? That's not bad, but that's still too many penalties. Yeah. So in combination of everything negative that we talked about on this podcast, Jaguars Twitter had an absolute meltdown yesterday. I would say even in the second quarter, it was already beginning. I mean, it was it was kind of epic, to be honest with you, um, all the way through tonight. And I didn't have a chance to listen to talk radio or anything this morning, but I'm sure that was bad, too. I guess... Is it justified, or is it yet again another year where we're completely overblowing the preseason and we need to just hush until game one? We need to just hush until game one. <laughs> it, it, All right. it, and, here's, and here's the reason why. We got beat because of a turnover and time of possession. Two things they could easily address. First half time of possession yesterday was 18 minutes and one second for the Bengals and 11 minutes and 59 seconds for the Jags. Wow. For everyone that questioned the reason why a running game is important, you just found out why. <laughs> right, right. That right there. The defense was probably a little bit tired. They're probably a little bit winded, although they're probably in, they're in spectacular shape. But 
Cincinnati went on an eight-minute and 57-second drive for 16 plays. There's no more I can say. Now, we ended up winning the game, a preseason game, and time of possession improved. It was 31-49 for Cincinnati and 28-11 for the Jags. But when that's three-fifths, the first half possession, so that's 60%. Yeah, 60% crazy of the first half time. Got to gotta improve on that. Got to improve. So if you fix those two things, they're going to do just fine. Should we panic? Eh, no. No. <laughs> yeah. Is there a concern? Sure, sure there's a concern. Because, you know, we started out so hot the first couple of games, and now we threw up a, basically a goose egg or a three yeah. in the first half. You know, three points. So – but don't panic. It's going to be just fine. We're, I think everything's okay. And as far as the Jaguars Twitter, I'm with you guys. I'm, I really am. So let's just hold back until the season starts. If it's three games in and we put up a couple of these, then go ahead and unleash whatever it is you want to say on Twitter. Yeah, save the uh, Gus Bradley memes till then, I guess. Those are pretty funny, I think. Though they they find like all the pictures of him like looking looking really disappointed, and you know it's I don't know it's just it's funny. But um, last true question is the spicy chicken sandwich being discontinued justified, and has Chick Fil A lost its way? Man, you know Corey, I feel that you're the guy that goes to the grocery store with your kid, and you ask your kid to get two. Three cookies, one <laughs> yeah. for you and one for her. I absolutely <laughs> do that. In fact, and, and traditionally, I try to stand back and make her say that like it's one of her friends that she's getting it for. So, sugar so, cookie. Yeah. See, you get you got to get off of it. Okay. They, they, they got rid of the spicy chicken. They got rid of the spicy chicken. It was good while it lasted. Maybe they're gonna bring it back and improve it. As long as they don't get rid of the calendar card where I get the free stuff for buying the calendar, then, hey, I'll be okay. Yeah, another side note of food, the, they have Bono's in the area of the stadium that I was at, a.k.a. the nosebleed. The barbecue sandwich was good, but I don't know. Like, it's not authentic Bono's, so I was kind of disappointed. But they had, like, the – you know, have you been to Bono's lately or no? Yeah, I was there not too long ago. Yeah, so you had the the barbecue pork sandwich, and there was like these little like I guess like a bone or something left in the middle that you you kind of when you bite into it and it's crunchy enough that you can chew it, it kind of ruins the rest of the sandwich. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> it, it just it, it's it's just barbecue, and you, 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 I guess at the stadium they it's not freshly cooked probably would, would be when you get it at the table at the restaurant. So yeah. who knows? Well, um, a, a couple other quick things I wanted to mention uh, before we, before we go uh, some of the cuts that happened tonight. McCray. Probably the uh, most significant one. Yeah. Somebody that's played a lot. We knew it was going to get cut. And that means that the team's getting better. That means the talent on the team is getting better when you see people that have had significant playing time get cut in the preseason. Yeah, and he was a uh, Dave Caldwell draft pick, one of the one of the rare ones that's been cut at this point. He was a seventh-round pick, I think, in 2013, I want to say. Don't quote me on that, but uh, pretty sure seventh-round 2013. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, somebody – 
somebody had to go on that secondary. It's very deep. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a couple others that, that left uh, or got cut um, off the defense. And, you know, we wish them the best, and hopefully they're able to, to land jobs on other teams, which I think he will. Um, I don't know. What was the full cut list? Oh, I have it here. It's um, so you have McCray. Yeah, and I'm looking off uh, Mike K's post from First Coast News. Sam Ficken, the kicker, which wasn't making the team anyway, but he, I didn't know he was a part-time Merrill Lynch worker. You know, this is down by the bank, and we're bankers. We need to look at that finance angle. But he was a part-time Merrill Lynch employee. Got to make the team. If he's going to quit his job, you got to make the team. Yeah. Um, Ryan Quigley, uh, punter. <laughs> uh, Cameron Marshall. Shaq Evans, who had an extremely cool name, and I'm disappointed about that. Jamal Robinson, Joplo Bartu, Mike Hilton, Jeff Lincolnbank, um, and uh, and actually some of those are actually medical medical too because they had um, Luke Buenco on the uh, physically unable to perform list, and okay. uh, same with Jonathan Woodard and then Earl Wolf too, who, who's famous from the whole. Uh, piece that I, I think ESPN did on him about being kidnapped or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. He, yeah, he's not cut, though. He's just on the, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, injured designation thing, injured reserve list. So probably McRae is probably the most significant one. But um, but that's the first round. We got another, another round to go, September 3rd, preseason game this Thursday. So... After the preseason game, that'll be you know all that'll be fine and done, and then we'll get to really be able to assess what the team's going to look like for that final fifty-three. Right, yeah, it's almost what that's twenty-five players that have to that have to that have to be cut, and hopefully they'll they'll be able to find the right guys to be able to take us and, and suit us up for for week one. So I'm definitely excited, and we'll, we'll see we'll see coming up. Who would be the biggest surprise cut? The biggest surprise? The biggest surprise. The biggest surprise. Another one of the corners may go. Not Colvin, but another corner may go. Whether it's, I don't think it's going to be Devon House either. I think those will be your four you know, with Ramsey and, and Prince. But uh, another DB. Josh Evans, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he got cut. That's my pick. That's my pick. Bernard Bernard Robinson, I think Robinson's he's a probably fan favorite, but personally. He might he might get cut too. So there, there's a couple that are in, and that's that's a. Do we carry four running backs, or do we need to really bulk up on the offensive line since there's an obvious need and problem there? You, you got to move. You, you got to hold another roster spot for those positions to try and see what kind of consistency you can find i think that's pretty much it for this episode we may be recording another episode this week so kind of uh stay tuned for that um i think the next game's coming up on thursday which um really short turnaround time for the next game um so i wouldn't even i bet the starters play what one series if that if if at all if at all beecham might get some time in since he only had so many snaps first game so he might get a little bit of time but maybe a series i'd be it'd be a stretch if there were two probably none at all they really gotta show up who they're gonna keep as far as the second and third team 
So I'm I'm guessing little if not none. Yeah. So we'll look forward to that. But otherwise, I think we're pretty much done for this episode. And we want to thank everyone again for listening to Down by the Bank. And we're very appreciative of all the likes and and follows and and tweets and comments and all that out there. Um, Ratings and reviews, I think we're up to eight five-star reviews. So that's very much appreciated. Um, Anything else you guys can do for us out there is great. But we definitely appreciate the support. Um, But definitely, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Down by the Bank, one word. We put when the new episodes are out. Um, we put that phone number on there for the voicemail box. And subscribe. don't forget about the question, guys. Don't forget about the question. Yep, Tim Tebow's baseball career. No, that is not the question. <laughs> he's hit, he's <laughs> hitting for power. It's definitely not the question. He's hitting for power. No, I saw it on no. Twitter. He's hitting for power. I, so. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> We're not even going to start. So, so subscribe, subscribe on iTunes uh, and SoundCloud if you're a non-Apple user. And again, please, 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 please rate and review us on iTunes because it just helps us get out there a little bit more. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care, guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.